0: My guest on the show today is Shanup Kathari, co-CEO and CFO of Lux Urban Hotels Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is L-U-X-H on NASDAQ. Lux Urban Hotels Inc. utilizes a long-term lease asset-light business model to acquire and manage a growing portfolio of short-term rental properties in major metropolitan cities. The company's future growth focuses primarily on seeking to create win-win opportunities for owners of dislocated hotels, including those impacted by COVID-19 travel restrictions while providing favorable operating margins. The Lux Urban business model is a little different than your traditional hotel operator. The nuance, as Shanup describes in our interview today, is that they enter master leases with hotel owners where they have control of the asset, just don't own the asset. We dive deeper into what this means, as well as why the company decided to focus solely on the hotel business, the nature of Luxurban's relationship with Wyndham, why they chose them over, say, a booking.com for just the reseller aspect of the business. Whether it's getting harder or easier to get more leases, in essence, is it getting easier or harder to scale the business, and Shanup's three- to five-year vision for the company. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Shanup Kathari, co-CEO and CFO of Luxurban Hotels. Shanup, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you. So we were introduced I, I listen I've been following the Luxer name for a while. I think you've showed up in our in our index or the Planet Microcap index uh, a couple quarters in 2023. And just for reference everyone, we're recording this on uh I think it was today Thursday. Yeah. Thursday December 28th, 2023. And I was introduced uh to the company or to you uh from uh, Scott Weiss and, and Matt Williams. So guys, appreciate it. And so let's dig in. So uh, my first question that I ask everybody on here, and uh, you know you're you're no different. I'm going to ask you the same thing. Um, is uh, can you start us off with that one line description that best describes Lux Urban?
1: Yeah. So so we're a hotel company that is taking advantage of the dislocation in commercial real estate.
0: Beautiful. That's a great. Great one line to start everything off. So let's take <laughs> let's take a look back at Luxurban Hotels history. You know when was the company founded and what was the original thesis for the founding?
1: Yeah, so 2017. Um, the original uh, founding of the business was was not to be a public company. Uh, it was supposed to be a privately owned business that was primarily focused on apartment rentals. Um, and then uh, in 2021. Uh, late 2021, we we pivoted, um, start started the pivot to hotels, uh, which was fully completed at the end of 2022. Uh, you know, shortly after our initial public offering in August of 2022.
0: Very good. So, I mean, what was the problem? The main problem that you guys were looking to solve back in 2017, and then with the pivot in late 2021.
1: Yeah. So so profitable. Apartment rental business 20, 2017, 2018, 2019. As, as we all recall, COVID hit in March of 2020, uh, 2020. And, you know, that, that, you know, anybody in the hospitality space struggled during that period. No, no difference for, for uh, Lux Urban. And that struggle continued through uh, 2021 when things started getting a little bit better. Um, at that point, there was an opportunity to enter into instead of Decentralized apartments, um, uh, opportunity to enter into entire, um, uh, entire hotel operations. Um, those were primarily shuttered as a result of COVID. Um, but the economics were, were phenomenal from, 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 from two sides. One is the entry price was, you know, you're, you're coming in a cyclical low. So the entry price was, was, was good. It was attractive. And then on the other side, um, uh, you know the economies of scale of going from decentralized apartments to to more consolidated operations in hotel, with the expertise of a, being able to manage it, um, was 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 really a, 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 a the, the fun, fundamental shift in terms of how the company viewed it, the opportunities and opportunities going forward. That you know that was sort of in the in the summer of 2021. It it it, it continued to the end of 2021, early 2022 when we entered into a large New York hotel was the Blakely hotel, 117 rooms, about three blocks from, from the park, you know, high quality, three and a half star property, iconic um, sort of old world, New York city. Um, At that point, you know, we really realized that, look, the opportunity set here that is perishable is to enter into these shutters hotel properties um, and really grow with scale. Um, So that, that, continued through 2022 we went public in august of 2022 we were straddling sort of both businesses and then we made the complete decision um, in late 2022 to exit the the apartment rental business and be fully um, the hotel operation side so um we signed up a number of other uh, uh large properties in uh, in 2022 one of being um the, the the herald square which was formerly marriott herald square in New York City, right across from Macy's. Uh, the other one was the W Downtown, which we call 123 Washington. Um, so we were on our way for that. And we just saw that the economics are significantly greater, um, as well as uh, the legacy apartment rental operations was really more of a distraction at that point, management distraction. So we exited that in 2022. Since then, you know, we've been off to the races.
0: So what's interesting about the company and like in talking with guys like Scott and and Matt and then doing some due diligence, you know, it's you think when you first think of Lux Urban Hotel, you're like, okay, it's a hotel company, but it's really not. You know, it's really um, more of a services company where you own leases on these hotels and then you're renting, you're helping these hotels where your value, your value comes in, your value prop is filling out the hotels and getting those getting those rooms. Rented room rented, you know, what you I don't know what the property, I guess what, rented, right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, am I am I missing something in terms? I mean, because coming out of COVID, there wasn't as much of a demand for travel and everything. All these hotels were probably at risk of going under. And they're like, all right, well, maybe we can partner with groups like a Lux urban or some or other groups out there so that we can, you know, they can go out and be a reseller of our rooms in order to get us that capacity or at a place where it becomes economic for us to keep the doors open. Am I am I missing something? Please, let me know. I might be.
1: Yeah. I I, I think from, you're you're not missing something. It's just the, the, the business model is a little different than a traditional hotel operator, right? So, so from the hotel operation side, um, you know, we do everything else a hotel owner does who operates or manages the property themselves, right? We, we, we list uh, the available units, you know, online, uh you know we we manage the reservations we check in the guests we clean the rooms you know rinse repeat over and over again right we do this you know we we check in thousands of guests a day we do this you know you know every day uh we have operational calls going through you know a, a typical with any sort of hospitality people oriented business there's always issues uh associated to you know an air conditioner down water heater down a roof you know leaked and have been in a major storm etc etc the 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 difference the nuance between us and traditional hotel operators is is, is as you mentioned we enter into a long term triple net master lease where we control the asset for a long period of time our leases average around 20 years on a weighted average basis um we're entering into 20 plus 10 sort of is sort of our normal core now so call it 30 years so we're going to drag that weighted average up over time from you know 18 to 20 to 20 to 22, and so on and so forth. But we are in control of the asset. We just don't have ownership of the asset. So, so, um, so as opposed to a capital heavy program where you're putting down a large portion of, of, uh, this, the, um, you know, the, the, you're, you're putting a large down payment down and then you're, you're, you're managing debt service, you know, we're eliminating that full portion of, of the the large portion down and we're really just sizing our business to debt service so initially i mentioned that we were you know we were coming out of shuttered properties in covid um, and that's when you know when we went public we were still working through a bunch of shuttered properties but what really happened and um you know you know post-covid that no one really foresaw but we we kind of had a sense something was going to happen we didn't really you know sometimes you're good sometimes you're lucky we didn't we couldn't put our finger on it what, what ended up happening with the precipitous rise of interest rates is you've got this whole refinance um, bubble that's cu- occurring right now. So the dislocation commercial real estate is people coming off of really perpetual 3% interest rates now to 8 to 12% on a refinance. And so you've got this, this, this whole capital structure dislocation that's occurred in the hotel space and then you know you add a couple other factors to it. One is asset values are down, right? So pre-COVID, an asset that might have been worth 100 million might be worth 70, you know, you know, 60, 70, 80 million now. Where so if you look at the 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 the, the structure of the capital structure of the business, the equity value is effectively either either gone or almost gone, or sometimes under undervalued, um, underwater. And then um, you know, owner-operated, managed. In franchised assets um, where you're dealing with variable cash flow, right? When an owner operates it, you know, they're going to get, you know, positive cash flow in one month, you know, neutral cash flow the next month, negative cash flow the third, you know, so on and so forth. Um, those sort of situations are not financeable anymore uh, through banks. So there is no financing market associated to it. And why is that the case? Typical with any sort of major economic issue like COVID or like 9-11, you know, banks changed their roles based on what happened. And banks are now no longer interested in a variable cash flow, you know, supporting variable cash flow stream. Whereas what we come in is we, 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 we provide a fixed cash flow, triple net lease. It is financeable with the bank. We take the risk associated to something bad happening, uh, you know, macroeconomic issue or a, a health issue like a COVID um we we take that risk we provide a corporate guarantee it's financeable you know that's that's sort of the the nature of the acquisition side but on the upside basis you know we take full control of the asset um we get all the upside associated to it we're making money you know at these levels now we think that you know these are still depressed even though hospitality is as has as, has been resilient uh we still don't have much in terms of business travel we, we still don't have you know asian travel back to where it was china's not traveling at all so we've got a bunch of, you know, factors associated to the upside. So we call this period right now, you know, a land grab where we want to continue to grow at a very healthy rate to, con- you know, increase our unit count at, at historic lows and what we think are historic lows. And then we'll reap the rewards once that we thaw out of, of some of the uh, uh, macroeconomic issues that are going on now.
0: Absolutely, and thank you for all that clarification as well, cause to get a better picture of the business itself. And just under, because I think the main thing I thought when I first looked at it, I was like, well, why, why are the the hotel owners? You know, what's what's the real value prop that Lux Urban brings to the table? Right. And, and it was more coming from a place of, cause like one of my closest friends for the last 15 years, his dad's in, you know, he's a hotel, hotel management business. Right. And so I, I was like, my first, I was like, well, what, I know he doesn't do everything that I think Lux Urban is saying they're doing, but I'm still trying, like, what's, what's the main difference. Right. And that's what, that, that for me was the, the main question I had going in.
1: Yeah. But, 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 you know, look, we're, we're a hotel operator and I think everyone really focuses on the acquisition side, right? Which is, which is really the engine of the growth. Um, it's going to be, you know, how we get from, you know, where we are in terms of valuation to 2X, 3X, 4X, 10X, right? And that that's the fundamental core. But what I don't want to lose sight of is we're a hotel operator and we're really good at it, right? We're, we, we have, you know, we're, a, we're a privately funded business pre IPO. We have very significant management ownership, management, You know, has invested in the business as, as, as recently as a month or two ago, right? Um, we're very bullish on the opportunity. Um, but we, we operate very efficiently. I mean, you know, do we make mistakes? Absolutely. Do do we learn from things we've done poorly in the past? Um, you know, of course. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we are very good at revenue management, um, which is, which is something that, that, you know, in a very decentralized hotel business, Um, you're not, you're not, you know, you have GMs who are, who are responsible for smooth operations that are doing revenue management. We we have a whole team of folks, right? Um, um, some of which are, you know, you know, data scientists that are, you know, scraping a lot, a lot of different data in order to fill perishable rooms. We do a very good job of that. And then on hotel operations side, we're very scrappy. You know, we reduce cost centers that, um, you know, don't make money, right? When you don't have business travel return, we eliminate conference centers. We don't need restaurants, right? Especially in large metropolitan cities, which, which is where we operate, right? We're, we're in five major cities, uh, looking to expand to two, um, two more. Um, but you know, you don't need food service, right? And, and let's face it, right? When you, when you, when you travel, um, you aren't looking forward to the hotel room service or the hotel, you know, restaurant. That's not where people focus in on. It's, it's, con- it's convenience. But when you when when you're you know primarily leisure travel um, and price dictates um, you know where the value is that's a, that's 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 a very very big loss leader for for properties now so we're we're very nimble um, at the operation side we're very good at the operation side with have a number of histories of taking in incumbent um, professional managers exceeding their. Their, their numbers and within, you know, their annual numbers within three or four months. We've got GMs we've hired that work for in, in uh, incumbent management companies that, that, you know, have come to me and told me that, wow, you guys operate much more efficiently than we've seen ever seen before in our career, right? So I don't want to lose sight of that, but look, the engine, you know, for the purpose of this call, you know, our ability to acquire, our ability to integrate, our ability to grow, which we've either doubled or tripled each year since inception, this year being a tripling um, you know, next year being, you know, again, a doubling or tripling, you know, you know, how we look at it, that's the engine for, you know, fueling the growth in the stock and, you know, the purpose of your, really this, this audience.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, actually along these lines, you know, um, one question, another question I had for you was, you know, would you say it's getting harder or easier to get more leases and is it also, is it getting easier or harder to scale this business model now that COVID-19 travel restrictions are gone?
1: Uh, so, so COVID separately, um, you know, we are, you know, the hospitality industry, once, you know, the COVID overhang restrictions, uh, fear has lifted, um, hospitality industry continues to be resilient, right? Even with, you know, you know, earlier this year and mid-year all the recession fears, you know, that, that hasn't been a factor, um, you know, where you would see, a potential, um, you know, you know, you know, a potential opportunity where there could be, you know, uh, 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 an increase in terms of the benefits is, is overall room rates, you know, but that's a factor of, um, you know, think about like the airline model. If, if you can sell every seat, um, you know, maybe 20% more than the seats, then you can charge a lot more for that entire um, entire block of, you know, entire 200 seat, seat airline. If you can't sell, every seat, and you can only sell 80%, um, well, you got to discount it to fill the 20. And, you know, that's sort of the factor where we're in now, right? With, without the business travel and China travel um, in Asia and in Eastern Europe, um, you know, it's a different, it's a different, it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's slightly, um, I wouldn't say depressed, but, but there's, you know, upside opportunity. Um, coming out of COVID, you know, that overhang, you know, you know, is no longer there. There was some of that overhang. Um on on, you know to directly answer your question on the on the acquisition side, you know, the scale has helped. Um, you know, we're much we're much much larger than we were when we added you know some of the first landmark properties. Uh we've got experience in how to do that. We've got a SWAT team that comes in, uh, takes over the operations, that integrates it. Um so we're very efficient in that regard. We've also learned from our mistakes. Um and then overall the acquisition pipeline continues to stay robust because um, you know, there isn't a lot of opportunity. You know, alternatives. Sorry for landlords coming on the refinance, right? So, so you know, one of your follow-up questions is probably going to be, you know, is there anybody else doing this? Well, not not what we're doing, right? There's there's alternatives to what comes in terms of refinance dislocation, right? So we just talked about capital structure dislocation, dislocation at the asset side, but not on the operating side. Um, what what are the alternatives? The alternatives are for landlords to put more money in, to cross collateralize other assets, um, to bring in a partner, right, um, an equity partner that limits their their upside on the on on the building. So there's other alternatives, uh, but there isn't an alternative like us. Um, that's 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 uh, you know another alternative like us. Um, and in a lot of cases, um, you know we're the we're the best solution, right? They don't have to come out of pocket. They can keep the asset, they have the ability to refinance in a few years when when things probably normalize. Um Dislocations
0: over. <clears throat> Got it. Excuse oh, No, no Um, So okay. So uh, another question that I had for you was about uh, Luxurban's relationship with Wyndham. You know, can you describe the nature of this relationship? Why did Wyndham choose Luxurban over, say, a Booking dot com as a reseller of rooms? And l- let's th- go with those two questions, and I'll, I'll follow from there. Yeah. So
1: so so Wyndham. Wyndham effectively competes with booking, right? So, um, you know, booking is a platform that allows you to book, you know, any property, right? Primarily any property on the planet, right? Or or an Expedia, Travelocity, et cetera, right? Um, you know, Wyndham, no different than, you know, Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, you know, et cetera, uh, Choice even, uh, you know, has their own, you know, sort of booking engine, you know, OTA, online travel agent, where you go direct to the site, there's assurances that you're getting the best price for those for those properties listed, which are which are branded Wyndham. Um, and then you get the benefits, right? You get the benefits associated to being a rewards member. You get accumulation of points, you get uh, status, uh, you get promotions, et cetera, et cetera, right? Upgrades, so on and so forth. So the relationship we have with Wyndham and you know, to your question is why, why Wyndham come to us? Look, it's, it's their business to, you know, to grow. Through additional franchisees, right? We're a franchisee of Wyndham, no different than their other seven thousand franchisees. Um, you know, we negotiate our deal. Um, you know, independently, we're 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 you know not the largest, but we're we're one of the larger ones. Probably getting, you know, you know if we if we continue to grow, we have an opportunity of being the largest, right? And they see that, um, and so you know they provide us the support, corporate infrastructure systems their online travel agency, um, access to the reward members. Um, and so so again, we're no different than any other franchisee. You know, we think we have a better deal. Um, we have to be very careful on what what are our specifics on our deal um, because it's sensitive to them. Um, but we think we have a better deal based on you know the size of our portfolio as well as our growth rates. Um, and you know, again, we get all those benefits. So let's go through a couple specific benefits, right? So they've got, you know, you know, you know inherent systems, that are, you know, scalable, you know, on a much larger scale. So, so, uh, they've got Opera and Oracle, you know, we integrate with that. We can communicate with, with, um, um, you know, cross platform, uh, um, we can communicate with them, you know, we have access to the reward members through that, through those platforms. So it immediately allows us, you know, you know, access to a hundred million plus members, right? They're the largest reward program on the planet. Um, you know, they provide us. Uh, support with regard to online travel agency. So you can book off of their website, right? Again, no different than booking off of a uh, booking or Expedia, but um, you know, you've got a captive audience of reward members that are coming onto their to their site. And that is economically a lot cheaper than paying fees associated to the to the other OTAs, right? So so we get a margin improvement associated. That could be, you know, in in in, in the neighborhood, you know, how we calculate it. Uh, four to five percent over a course of the next few quarters, right? So it's meaningful, right? Straight to the bottom line. And then, um, and then, uh, uh, finally they provide us, um, you know, key money, um, uh, which is, you know, development incentive dollars, which is, you know, as long as we perform on the franchise agreement, it's, you know, lack of better terms, a gift. Um, which they recoup that through their fees over the course of the franchise term of the franchising agreement. But that allows us, you know, that cash is fungible. That allows us to 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 put down for security deposit um, uh, that we uh, enter into to get access to the property. And you know, the way it's structured now, it's roughly about the level of the security deposit. So we got, you know, we have a, a sort of synthetic financing source um, associated with uh, the partnership we've 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 uh, developed with Wyndham. Um, You know, and it's a win win situation, right? It's a very good deal for them. And it's a very good deal for us, which means that, you know, we're both doing something right.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, what what in your opinion would you say is the company's main moat, that main competitive advantage that might stop some other people that are also in real estate that recognize the same thing and be like, oh, we. We could we've run we could add all these additional services as a hotel management team, and we can go in on the operation. You know, I'd love to hear more there.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so so we're 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 doing this in scale, right? Um, could someone do this in one property? Yeah, they could, but but they've got to understand the nuances associated to revenue management, which is you know you know the legacy business you know, built the revenue management tools, and they slid into the hotel side of things, right? So, you know, we've got, you know, seven, you know, years of experience, right? Six, seven years of experience on revenue management. We didn't start this a year and a half ago when we entered into the hotels. Um, Not only that, the revenue management on decentralized apartments is much more difficult, right? So we're taking an operation that's much more difficult, um, uh, you know, into something much more, uh, you know, much, much, much more targeted in terms of the audience, right? So it's a little bit easier with regard to that. We, we distribute over 100 channels worldwide, right? So there are certain in- instances where, you know, a certain demographic, maybe there's, you know, you know, Colombian, you know, re- Remembrance Week in New York City, that you can draw in um, um, additional guests through that channel um and you know, channels are very specific to jurisdictions, right? So so you go to South America, there's different, you know, they use different channels and than, than than we use here and so on and so forth for Asia as well. And so so, you know, then incumbent would have to or, or a new entrance would have to come in, be able to to uh um Do revenue management like we do. And we don't, you know, we have found that most uh, hotels, even professionally managed, leave it to the GM who's also responsible for hotel operations. We separate that ask and we deal with it as a portfolio, right? So if you came to me and said, I need a hundred rooms in New York, which would be very difficult right now, I can be like, yeah, I get you in three different properties within three or four different blocks. We can, we can satisfy that, you know, others can't do that, right? Uh, you'd, you'd have to have, um um you'd have to have enough scale to make sophisticated landlords um you know uh comfortable with you know handing over their asset to you right now how did we get into the business? Well, we we were in a period of massive dislocation with the shuttered properties. We built our base with that, right? They had no alternative, right? What 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 else could they do outside of just you know deal with a vacant vacant asset? So we were able to build our base during a period of dislocation, which you know new entrant would would have difficulty convincing a landlord that they're going to be good stewards of their assets. You'd have to have relationship with the union, especially in New York City, which is you know which is always challenging, right? Um, you know, there's pros and cons to that. Um, you know, and then, you know, oh, by the way, we've got this, you know, partner that's the largest franchisee on the planet named Wyndham. That's also behind us, you know, you know, you know, supportive. Uh, and again, you know, very, very lucrative uh, partnership for both both sides.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, in, in going through the company's most recent financials and, and everything there. So I'm, I'm curious, what gets you to the point where the company is now? How many rooms do you have to have under management to get to? Break even and then ultimately cash, cash, uh, free cash. Well,
1: well, so we, we, we are, we are cash flow positive, right? Um, so last quarter we had, uh, gap net income. Um, we had, you know, eight, eight point, I believe 8.4 million of EBITDA. Um, our year to date EBITDA margins is 24%. You know, we think that, uh, normal audits, it's crazy as it sounds. We think we get above 30% in terms of EBITDA margins. Um, you know, we, so we're generating cash. But we're reinvesting it back into the business, right? I was we see, I was focused on, I was
0: see, I was focused on the nine months. That's why, because the nine months it showed yeah. the the loss. That's why.
1: Yeah, and then there are some non cash charges in the nine months, but 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 for the quarter, um, you know, we specifically wanted a clean clean quarter because you know there's some legacy issues we needed to solve. They're non cash related. They're more accounting. Um, so we did that, you know, in Q2, but in Q3, we, we showed, you know, we showed the real strength of the business, which is uh, a profitable uh, business gap net income. Um, you know, we believe 2024 will have, you know, four consecutive quarters of very clean, uh, gap net income as well, as we've, you know, worked through legacy issues associated to the business. We've paid off our senior debt. We've had some, you know, revenue share agreements tied to that. We, 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 um, you know, we, 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 we worked through, with um um resolving those you know in, in 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 with stock versus you know cash payments in the future I think from a shareholder perspective you know that was a wise decision to uh accelerate free, free cash flow in the future through the issues of, of of stock and so we've made a number of moves we've we've worked really hard um from the IPO to get to this point where um you know we've got scale we've got a clean balance sheet we've got momentum in terms of um, you know the 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 opportunity set out there, the partnership with Wyndham. You know, and we're really looking forward to 2024, right? And so, uh, 2024 is is laying out now to be really an opportunity to go from you know we'll end somewhere over the next month or two between two to three thousand units. We're over two thousand, but call it two and a half to three thousand units. Um, we've got an opportunity to take that, you know, call 25 to three thousand units, and double that. Over you know what we think our internal stretch goal is to get that by the summertime to get six thousand, so call it a doubling, and then nine to twelve thousand between you know between uh, the end of the year, right? And so you know um, a two to three times growth for the year, maybe two and a half to three times growth for the year. Again, that sounds crazy, but that's what we've done um, every year since inception. Last year was a tripling of the business, so. So uh, actually last year from a unicount perspective was almost a quadrupling of the business. So um, look, this isn't, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, uh, a hit rate or eyeballs on a screen or selling product, you know, more of a product. We're, we're talking about simple math, which is, you know, you know, adding unit counts. Uh, we're, we're very good at, at at forecasting what the occupancy is, what the what the what the ADRs are, you know, occupancy and ADR combined is RevPAR. Um, you know, we can tell you that if we get to a certain level, you know, we, we you know we will triple quadruple uh, revenues associated with business, and it's really just you know the acquisition, right? There's no you know there's no complexity beyond that.
0: Absolutely. So, along those lines, and thank you for the clarification. Like I said, I looked at the nine month and not the, the most recent quarter. So, yeah. appreciate the correction. Uh, but going along those lines, you know, in order to reach some of these goals, you know, how, in the path to maintain this profitability, how do you still maintain it while still focused on growth?
1: Yeah. So, we're very disciplined. You know, we started off as a private company with no intentions of being public. We weren't ever structured in a way of, you know, I think a lot of the market was uh, focused on, um, you know, build it and then you will get to a stage of, of profitability, right? Cash flow, profitability um, or, or free cash flow, um, maybe not gap, but free cash flow. Right. And, and everybody took, you know, to really the, you know, let's call it the Tesla or the uh, or the Amazon model, which is, you know, we'll get there right with the scale. Right. Obviously, these are unicorns, very successful companies that, um, you know, trailblazed and were able to do it. But, um, you know, the music stopped with that. Right. Capital availability stopped with that. Um, You know, this business was never built to do that. It was always to be a private business, um, uh, to be profitable from the get go. You know, you know, everything underwritten was done. You know, it's profitable now and it only gets better because of X, Y, Z which is the way that we operate today, right? So we're, we're underwriting to the same criteria we did, you know, over a year ago. Um, we're very disciplined on the underwriting side. We generate profits um, very quickly, right? So how do we do that, right? We pre-sell uh, inventory. So if we, if we enter into a deal with the landlord, let's say we're sitting here in December, we're going to take occupancy January 15th, February 1st, right? Um, uh, you know, it's not, you know, you don't sign it and take it today. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a process to, to hand over the keys. You've got, you know, incumbent operator already there. They've got to, you know, they've got to work out an exit and an entrance program. And so we set that up, you know, the d- date up in advance, you know, we are starting to sell that inventory today, even though it's two, three weeks away. Right. So we're working on selling that inventory. Of, of course, when you're selling an entire inventory, in advance you're going to be reducing rates but that's fine right you reduce rates to fill occupancy and then you start building that up over time so you know is there a transition period yeah probably a month or two maybe three on where the economics aren't as robust but they're not it's not that they're it's 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 not making money it's just not making as much money and then inherently the least you know you know there's provisions in the lease depending on the negotiation it could be free rent could be reduced rent and then tiered up you know so there's things that are structurally done to help us you know through that period as well again when you're dealing with a heavy management owned uh business uh, as well as one that was you know intended to be profitable from day one philosophy is different right absolutely all right so
0: now we're at that point oh yeah sorry
1: Yeah, one one other thing, too, that, you know, I think that's sort of lost in translation, right, associated to, you know, the nature of your question is, so we're not, you know, we're not managing to a brand, we're managing to economics, right? So when we acquire property, there, you know, it looks and feels like the existing owner's property, there's nothing wrong with, you know, Marriott, you know, Marriott flagged the Herald Square, it looks like a Marriott, right? I've, you know, stayed at Marriott's, you know, most of my career have very high level status there. But when you go into the property it still looks like a merit there's nothing wrong with the way it looks you know we're not you know we're not in the business of you know creating a look and feel that's a luxe urban look and feel that you're going to see you know the the, the 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 same shade of blue and the same type of carpet in every property and that's the experience you want that's very expensive And it's very hard to make a return on that, right? Um, but there's nothing wrong with looking like a Marriott. There's nothing wrong with looking like a, you know, the former W, which is, you know, the property we have in downtown New York. Um, um, and we've got one that's a former Renaissance. There's nothing wrong with looking like that. That's a Renaissance is part of the Marriott brand. And so, so with regard to our operations and how we're able to, to generate cash flow as well as, you know, immediate cash flow as well as just, you know, thinking about, um, you know, uh, barriers to entry, you know, we've got a philosophy um, and we've got the ability to sell that, right? Makes makes it slightly different from someone who's developing a brand that's very specific to a type of individual millennial um, that's, you know, looking for look and feel and maybe, a you know, a bar at the bottom that, you know, provides a vibe. We're not into that, right? So we're into making money economically on the asset. And, you know, I think we have, you know, there, there's a whole slew of of guests that want the same thing, right? They want the best quality product uh, for an economical rate. Absolutely.
0: So you actually hit on my next question that that I'd love asking everybody on here as well. You know, even after doing, you know, having a half hour one-on-one meeting with a, you know, potential shareholder, current investor, or, you know, maybe somebody that just saw your presentation for the first time or something like that, you know, what, what would you say folks still also get confused? when they think Lux Urban and after chatting with you and even after you're a hundred percent clear, you know, but, but still might get confused. Maybe we can answer some of those frequently asked questions here.
1: Yeah. So, so first off, you know, I think people get caught up with regard to um, you know, the acquisition side, right. It's, it's triple net lease. It's entire properties. We're not taking a floor. We're taking the whole building. We may peel off the downstairs restaurant because we're not going to operate it. And that's economical for, the landlord to keep it and sublease that out. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, you know, great in the subleasing space. That's not our, that's not our competitive strength. We will, if we, you know, we'll try to do it if we, if, if, if it comes with it, but, you know, so, so we are taking the asset, we're taking control of the asset for a long period of time. I think there's always um, some questions in and around that, which, um, um, you know, you know, what happens with X, what happens with Y, you know, um, but but real, realistically to, in a simplistic form is we deal with the interior side of the building, the exterior side is the landlord, right? Um, and no, we don't get the upside associated to what happens to that asset value in 20 or 30 years. Um, but when we look at, you know, our ability to grow, um, you know, we have done the math where, you know, the purchase versus the lease is is 10 to 15x more powerful in terms of unit count. So if we're able to purchase 100 units, we'd able we'd we'd be able to lease a thousand to 15 you know 1500 units, and that's really the power of the business, right? You know, it's timing we're at now. We're able to get control over it. You wouldn't be able to negotiate these sort of leases pre pre COVID. Right? So that's one. The second is, um, you know. You know, there's always a misnomer on what Wyndham does. Look, Wyndham is not an operator, right? By design, right? Some of the other, uh, large chains, they actually do operations, but Wyndham is, is purely a franchise or, right? They, 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 they don't own assets, they don't compete with us, and they don't manage, right? So they're very complimentary to our business, and it goes back to your question earlier. You know why does that? You know why does it work? Right? It works because you know I think at the you know, we, we, you know our business models are very complementary. As well as at the time we signed the agreement with them, I think you know it was uh, um, it works really well with where we were um, in our in in our business life cycle and allows us to to leverage that relationship to continue to grow. Right? And maybe five years from now, you know we'll be more um, um, more attractive to somebody else. But you know we're we're already a Wyndham. Franchisee, and there's really not a terrible opportunity to do that. And then the third is is on the hotel operations. I think I've spent some time on it, um, but we don't, you know, we don't hand it off, right? We we have experimented with professional managers, um, and you know that you know we figured out fairly quickly that we manage much better than them. And you know, you sort of say, well, why is that the case? How is that possible? Well, the reality of the professional managers is is that they're not motivated. To make the most amount of money for you right their incentive structure is they get a, such a small percentage of that increase um, in terms of profits that they're not motivated to do it think about you know the concept of selling a million dollar real estate right if an agent's getting paid um five um, percent right if the agent commission you know it's it's six percent maybe divide by two so it's three percent each so your agent who's listing it is making thirty thousand dollars on that on that on that on that on that listing um, um you know of which they got to share some of that with their broker, maybe they 're making twenty thousand, so if you sold it for one point one million, right that commission now goes um, um, you know goes up by six thousand dollars, right, which is divided by two, which is three thousand, which then maybe a thousand goes to to their broker, so they make you know you know twenty thousand versus twenty one or twenty two thousand but the difference for for you as the owner is. You know, it's 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 ninety ninety four thousand dollars incremental. So the risk reward standpoint, you know, they're they're not motivated to drive that extra price. Just like, um, you know, the, the 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 professional managers, they're they're more motivated um, um, to to bring in more revenue for them, which they do by allocating more costs, right? So it's kind of counterintuitive to that. And and um, you know, we've got a number of questions in and around. Uh, you know, do you guys, uh, you know, operate? Yeah, we operate. Like, I mean, I talk to the GMs. Like, you know, in some cases, every day. You know, we we have operational calls every day. We deal with issues every day, right? We have guests that are not happy, right? We're we're just like every other service business. You hear from the guests that are not happy. You don't hear the Attaboys, right? Uh, when everything goes well, right? As much, and so we deal with that very well, um, considering uh, you know we've been doing this for a short period of time.
0: Very good. And uh, one other question, just playing devil's advocate, of course, you know, again, I ask this to everybody on here, you know, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the, and this is aside from execution risk, right? Like let's take that out of the equation. That's always a risk, you know, no matter what, you know, what would you say are some of the company's downside risks that maybe people should consider?
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, look, a global shutdown like a COVID um, would be, would be bad for not only us, for everybody. Um, the way that I've explained that is, you know, we have our, our break evens across our portfolio around 160 to $170 per unit. So, you know, some math gets us to $167, um, but it's somewhere in that range. That's assuming we don't do anything, you know, more severe in terms of cuts. Like we start cutting staff, we start eliminating, you know, we start shutting down floors to, to manage, you know, utility usage and so forth. You know, we can drive that down. Now I challenge you across a portfolio as diverse as ours, you know, with as many high quality assets we have that can make money at, you know, at 160, 170, you know, on a very, very um, um you know, acute sort of situation. So the way that the way that um, I would explain that, right, when that would be a bad situation, not just for us, but for, for a number of things. Um what what happens in those situations is you know, again, it happened during COVID is As prices start to plummet, you will have people immediately start leaving the market. The high-cost operators have to shut down, right? They can't, you know, unless they're well-capitalized, willing to weather the storm, a a big percentage of them will start shutting down. And so as the prices continue to drop, um, we'll see supply come out of the market um and you know prices will then stabilize right and so that's what happened in covid and we think that our break even being what we believe is the lowest in the industry will allow us to do that very cool you know
0: hey you challenged me i don't know i challenge accepted i guess i don't know. let me go find someone someone else that has all oh, that's high quality assets and money i you know I, I gotta i gotta accept the challenge i gotta go find them but uh all jokes aside um yeah. i do appreciate you you
1: open and sharing
0: all of that did i did we miss anything or did you did was there more you well, want to
1: well, well one of the things too what's interesting is 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 you know look you can't you know well, well the weird thing about where we are now and you know you probably felt the same way too we've had um so many um once in a lifetime events in the last 20 years of our lifetime right we've had you know we've had 9-11 we've had you know covid we've had uh the financial crisis right you know i I guess you know some of these super storms as well and so there are so many wild cards out there we always focus on the last wild card right you know post 9 11 we were all focused on you know you know the issues associated to another terrorist attack and so forth but that's subsided to you know other issues that have popped up you know financial crisis so on and so forth but what happened over these periods you know and, and 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 with the boon of of real estate Uh, pre-COVID is we're actually short supply, right? In major markets. Um, and so you think about New York City, for example, um, pre-COVID, you had a ton of condo conversions, right? So supply coming down. You're not getting zoned, you know, you're not getting zoning applications for, for, you know, a significant amount of hotels because, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a backlash associated to housing, right? Um, you have still shuttered or bankrupt properties that are still out of the mix that may never come back, right? Some of which are, are never going to be put back into operations. So think about overall supply pre-COVID levels, you know, coming down, um, you know, with condo conversions, and then you have this step change associated to shuttered properties, which there's still a number of shuttered properties. You know, we're probably near all time supply lows. So even in these sort of situations, um, you know, the marginal properties, you know, that got hit with COVID, they're still shut down, right? They haven't reopened and so forth, right? Or structurally some of them. And so, you know, with the impact of, you know, first off, you know, I don't think there will be global shutdowns associated to that. I think, I think, um, you know, people realize that, you know, that you know, we can't sustain that, right? The business level can't sustain that. You know, people will not accept that, right? Throughout the world, you know, there'll be different levels of that. Um, but then, you know, we're also in a situation where we're a lot tighter on supply than we were, you know, the, the, the first shutdown. Right. So a global shutdown issue associated with code. So so, you know. Could there be something else that pops up? Um, you know, absolutely. Um, have we seen the cycle enough of the cycle to know that that, you know, we're by no means in a situation of you know making hay? Um, so, you know, the downside is there, but it's not that far down, but the upside is pretty high. So I view it, you know, as, as, you know, my, my, my background is, is, is risk finance, you know, um, and I think that the upside opportunity by far and away exceeds the downside risks.
0: For sure. And I and I would say probably one of the main things you probably think about, I, I don't want to not pretend to like read your mind or anything like that, but it seems like the global, you know, another potential shutdown that isn't as likely as it is maybe just, you know, the rise and fall of interest in certain c- cities or regions, like regional risk probably seems more something that might be top of mind versus like all right everything's gonna get shut down again it's like all right will people still want to keep going to new york or will people still you know uh want to keep going to nashville or something like i'm not saying your properties there you might but you know you know what i'm saying yeah
1: no i i i I actually i don't i i don't disagree at all i think yeah so so let's talk about the cities we operate in as well as uh cities we're thinking about and operating in so so new york um you know, is our, our greatest concentration. Uh, you know, I think New York is going to be a destination city. I don't see it changing. Um, you know, could it change? Absolutely, but I don't see it. Um, you know, Miami, um, yes, it's more seasonal. Uh, there's some more softness in, in that market uh, uh, post-COVID versus pre-COVID. Uh, but, you know, cyclically, that, you know, that, that'll change as well. But, you know, right now we're probably dealing with more softness there than we've experienced in the past uh DC again very seasonal um you know we we um um you know we're in a high quality three star property we're looking at you know we think that we want to go up market there um but there's still you know significant amount of interest there you know even though there's a little bit of seasonality too LA um um you know LA you know if you're in a certain pocket they're they're great, but you know there's some political issues associated to downtown, um, you know you know homelessness so on and so forth that all of California is dealing with. Um, but so you got to be much more opportunistic on you know an Anaheim or Beverly Hills or so forth, which we're looking at. Um, and then New Orleans, uh, you know you know uh, a city that's sort of uh, found itself again uh, post Katrina. Uh, you know you know very desirable, very artsy sort of place to go to sort of big change in the way things were before um, it's, uh, you know, and we're looking, you know, very heavily to expand there as well. Um, so, so those are the cities. So yeah, I could see, uh, you know, the beauty of the portfolio is, is if one's down, you know, we know one's going to be up. And so, you know, we, we manage that way. We manage assets that way. We've obviously, you know, just like, you know, a large family, we've got, you know, a, a kid that needs more attention than some that, you know, need no attention. Right. So it's sort of the same thing. Um, and you know, typical with any management team or any parent, um, we probably spend more time and effort on the you know on the kid that needs more attention than we do. It's just sort of human nature, you know even though you know if we spent more time on the heavy producer, we' probably you know increase our margins right um, and then our expansion cities are Boston, which you know again, I think we're a very resilient city and and London, which I think is a very resilient city um, um, and, and immune to seasonality and immune to, um, you know, other factors that could, could, could create some issues. So those are, those are the core cities. Um, you know, we're very, very aware of what's going on. You know, we have an all hands on deck approach to when something isn't performing again, going back to the, you know, the slow kid, um, um you know of the family you know and so we spend we're spending a lot of time on that I'm, I'm cracking you up on that because there's probably some truth to it I'm
0: not saying that it has anything to do with my I'm just like I, I the yeah. analogy's funny a, <laughs> well
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sidebar right because yeah you know, it's, it's known a little about me so I'm one of three boys right so I always tell the story you know my you know, I I grew up I was born in Singapore grew up in Singapore and and myself and my my two brothers we all came to the United States um, um uh, for college and and you know some of us had you know we you know, my oldest brother was born here we all had green cards and my other brothers naturalized but so it was a natural evolution for that we didn't my dad didn't want us to go to school in Singapore so we we sort of went that went that route and so when my oldest brother went 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 to school here my mom got an apartment and was here for uh, about two months, um, you know, you know, making sure he's acclimated. He's got what he needs. And my middle brother, you know, my mom got an apartment, was here for a month. And, you know, when I went to school, I came here with two suitcases, landed at DFW airport. My brother was supposed to pick me up. he was late. Um, so, you know, stranded at DFW airport. My parents were like, you know, your brother's going to take care of you, and so you know, and and you know, if you think about you know the amount of effort you know on the top to the middle to the bottom, you know, invert, you know, sort of, you know, who's who's needed more and less effort. It's sort of the same case, right? You know, probably put more effort. My oldest brother probably, if they would put more effort, and you know, one of the other two would have been better off, more fruitful. But it's not how not how parents operate and how people run businesses. Give, give
0: yourself a little bit of credit. Okay. I think you turned out okay, you know, uh, despite the third child syndrome, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So to close this out here, and you, you've given you've given so much of your time here today, and you answer all my questions. I really do appreciate that. But my final question for you to here today, you know, to close this out in your opinion, where would you like to see this company, Lux Urban Hotels, in three to five years? And what would you say are some of the inflection points that'll get you there?
1: Yeah, so I think I think 2024 and 2025. Um, you know, we we've done a tremendous job of building the business and gaining credibility, uh, notoriety with you know landlords, Wyndham shareholders, so forth. Right. So there's you know just like any other startup, a lot of skepticism and our ability to execute. Do we really have a market? You um, I think we've 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 resolved all those issues. I think people really you know believe in the business model. And so we're at this point now, and and if you think about the next two years, it's really about execution, uh, growing the portfolio, growing it, you know, you know, you know, profitably with good deals, we're going to make mistakes, we always will. Um, but the beauty of of an all hands on deck management team and a portfolio is we'll, we'll minimize that, right? So I think the next two years are very focused on that. And after that, you know, you know, if you look at the three to five year mark, which is the nature of your question, um, look, I mean, we will be at a, a significant scale by that point, right? We're going to take advantage of the dislocation and the land grab that's in front of us. Um, at some point in time, you know, the deals will be less attractive, right? Which, which could be that three to five year mark. And, you know, that point um, we'll grow up probably at a lower pace. Um, we'll have a, a ton of free cash flow um, that we won't be needing to reinvest in the business. It just gets to a point where we can't add at that pace, that we were adding, you know, we we're adding now, and we, we 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 believe we'll be adding over the next, um, you know, six to 12 months. And so, you know, we'll, we'll probably return cash to shareholders, right? We'll do some things in that fashion, which, you know, larger, more established companies with, you know, lower growth rates will do. Um, you know, I think we could be a great, um, um, you know, acquisition candidate for, you know, a a large hotel chain, you know, potentially a Wyndham or maybe a private equity firm is looking to continue to expand the business in a different way. Right. So, so look, you know, we, we're focused on long-term shareholder value. We think that, you know, we'll have some bumps along the way, you know, like any other stock will move up and down over time. But, um, you know, we're very bullish about the opportunity. We're very bullish that, you know, in three years, we'll be, you know, people look back at us, say, wow, you know, I, I, you know, you guys were much smaller, less sophisticated a few years ago. Very cool. All
0: right, Shanoop, we're there, man. Where can our audience go and find more information to follow along Luxurban Hotels?
1: Yeah, obviously, um, you know, public company, we're very transparent in filings. Uh, so the SEC website and go to uh, our website, which links to, you know, not only press releases, but but our external side of things. Um, and you know, we're a very, when I say a public company, not, not public in terms of capital structure. Um, you know, stay at one of our properties, right? Stay, stay, you know, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me if we have a, a better room available for your stay. You know, we'll put you in a better room. We'll take care of you, right? Um, you know, we host thousands of guests a day and, um, you know, we get a handful of negative reviews that, you know, that are, they are, uh, unfortunate, but, but happen when you're dealing with people. And uh, things that break and, you know, situations that occur. But we do our best to make sure everybody's taken care of. And I think we've done a phenomenal job to this day.
0: Very cool, man. Well, Shanoop, thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next update. And like I said, we're recording this on Thursday, December 28, 2023. So Happy New Year. I'm sure what, by, by the time people hear this, it'll be already be the New Year. But Happy New Year in any case.
1: Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you.